Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to the Enterprise Architecture Radio. If you're thinking about organizational complexity and agility, if you're concerned about operational efficiencies and thinking of taking it to the next level, if managing innovation is one of your priorities, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we talk about all of that and more. It's a jungle out there, and we'll attempt to navigate this jungle of frameworks, methods, and most importantly, enterprise architecture in practice. Since ChatGPT has become popular, artificial intelligence has come into the limelight. About last year, there was a prediction that artificial intelligence will come into mainstream technologies in about next five years. But with the advent of ChatGPT, that timeline has reduced drastically. So let's talk about artificial intelligence today. But before I start off, I'm going to talk about what artificial intelligence is. And this is going to be a quick FAQ for the uninitiated to basically get the definitions right. Now, I understand that everybody who's listening to this podcast has a certain understanding of what artificial intelligence is. And so I don't want to preach to the choir much, but a quick definition. So what is artificial intelligence? Artificial intelligence refers to the simulation of human intelligence in machines that are programmed to think and learn like humans. It involves the development of algorithms and computer programs that perform tasks that require human intelligence, such as visual perception, speech recognition, decision-making, and language understanding. There are different approaches to AI, including rule-based systems or expert systems, decision-tree-based systems, and machine learning-based systems. Some of the Key subfields of AI include natural language processing, computer vision, and robotics. AI has a wide range of applications in the industry, including healthcare, finance, transportation, and manufacturing. Some examples include chatbots for customer service, for example, or self-driving cars, or fraud detection systems, or personalized recommendations for e-commerce. So what's the difference between expert systems and machine learning? They are both forms of artificial intelligence. Expert systems are a type of AI that are designed to mimic the decision-making abilities of a human expert in a specific domain. They use a set of rules and a knowledge base to make decisions and solve problems. Machine learning, on the other hand, is a method of teaching computers to learn uh, from data and make predictions or decisions without being explicitly programmed. Machine learning algorithms are able to identify patterns and relationships in the data and use the information to make predictions or decisions. There are several different types of artificial intelligence. There is reactive machines that essentially only react to the environment. There are AI systems with limited memory. There are uh, AI systems that mimic the mind. Um, uh, they can understand the mental states of other entities and use the understanding to inform their decisions. Then there is narrow AI or specific artificial intelligence or weak AI. These AI systems are designed to perform specific tasks such as image recognition, speech recognition, language translation, or uh, some of the games have artificial intelligence, which essentially are in a way rule-based expert systems. Deep Blue, the chess playing uh, software that defeated Gary Kasparov is a narrow AI. And then we have general artificial intelligence, which is also known as strong AI. General AI systems possess the ability to understand or learn any intellectual task that a human being can perform. 
That was the basic definition of artificial intelligence. Now, the question is, where are we with artificial intelligence? Well, we definitely know that we are doing quite well with uh, specialized or narrow AI. We have Deep Blue. We have other artificial intelligence systems that are specifically designed to perform a task. But then there is a long way to go if you really think about it. Because, and, and, and why I decided to take this topic up as a part of this podcast is because I was having a very, very philosophical discussion with a friend of mine at work where we were talking about artificial intelligence and whether artificial intelligence can ever become as intelligent as humans. And, and I was saying that the human mind is nothing but an extremely sophisticated computer system that performs the similar the same tasks that a computer performs and at a much much faster pace in fact it is so complex that it is we are we haven't even scratched the surface yet when it comes to understanding of the mind and and that's what general artificial intelligence would have to be to 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 get to the level of human mind because when deep blue defeated gary kasparov all deep blue was doing was playing chess but Gary Kasparov was not just playing chess. His mind was also busy beating the heart, busy managing the circulatory system, the nervous system, the respiratory system, the digestive system, perhaps, if he has eaten something recently or what have you. And, and he was looking and he was hearing and he was feeling the sensations of, I don't know, whatever the temperature was um, off the room um, on his skin. And... And, and essentially, he was performing all the human activities that the, the mind needs to perform at a subconscious level. So the human mind was busy doing all those things while it was also completely focused on playing chess. Human beings are capable of doing so much more than a specialized artificial intelligence. They walk, they talk, they lift things, they uh, constantly fight off diseases inside. And then there is mobility and, and all kinds of things. So to, for, an artificial, for, a, for a computer to become as powerful as the human mind, it would have to be as capable as the human mind. Are we there yet? Long from it. Today we have computers where, which are specialized artificial intelligence. Today we have some generalized artificial intelligence that can perform more than just one specific task that have the capability of learning. Um, artificial intelligence, like I said before, also includes various other capabilities like visual capabilities and auditory capabilities. And, and, and ChatGPT has made the linguistic capabilities rather popular. And when it comes to all of that, yes, we've made some amount of progress. The question is, where are we going from here? Is AI ever going to be as smart as humans? Now, this is a, a very interesting question. Uh, some years ago, actually, I started reading a book called The... Uh, the Emperor's New Mind, uh, written by Roger Penrose. And Roger Penrose is a theoretical physicist um, and a mathematician. And, and he wrote this book where he postulates that a computer can never become as intelligent as a human because consciousness is not computational. What that means is human mind is not just a computer. It's a lot more than that. As per him, there is intelligence there is understanding, and there is awareness. It's a fascinating and yet exceptionally dry book. It took me more than a year to finish that book, and I don't even count that book as one of the books that I've read because, to be really, really honest, I haven't completely understood it. In fact, there are pages and pages of binary code in that book. I don't know why uh, he decided to 
put the binary code into the book because there's no way that a human being can actually read the binary code and understand what he's really trying to say. But the point is, he talks about quantum mechanics, he talks about uh, time, he talks about general and specialized theory of relativity. And he postulates that the human mind is more than just a computer. He says that uh, it's a combination of quantum mechanics, biology, chemistry, and, um, of course, there's computation, and a lot more. And, and he says that he doesn't really have a very clear understanding of what consciousness is. Um, a computer can probably become intelligent, but when it comes to awareness, when it comes to understanding of the context, the computer can never do that. I, on the contrary, uh, have a different opinion, and I'm not Roger Penrose, and I'm not a theoretical physicist, and uh, if nothing else, I'm just a geek who's seen a lot of Star Trek and, and, and all these artificial intelligence science fiction movies, and all the books that I've read and all the, all the understanding that I have about my mind. I think the human mind really is an extremely sophisticated, extremely complex computer. It has evolved over hundreds of thousands of years, and it's cons constantly learned and made itself better in, in, in extremely complex computation. Now, it might feel like uh, it's doing something magical. It might feel that there's a spiritual aspect to it, and there is a, uh, there is a metaphysical aspect to it. But if you really think about it, and, I'm, I'm, and nobody really knows, it's just postulation after postulation, but I feel it's nothing more than a computer. Think about it. Sometimes when you are in a conversation, you're talking about something and it reminds you of an incident that might have happened five years ago. Now, you might not realize why or how you are associating both these events, the topic of your conversation and the incident that happened five years ago. But there is always a connection. If you look for a connection, you will find one. You might have subconsciously felt a breeze which might have reminded you of a hill station which might have ultimately reminded you of travel, which might have reminded you of, a, of an airplane, which might have associated it to a crash, which might have associated it to a loved one that you miss today. And, and, and the connections are absolutely um, unexplainable at this point in time. You might not be able to associate them, but you just know that you remember something. Another example is word recall. Many times you don't recall a word and you try to remember it or a name, for example, and, and you try to remember it, but, but it just wouldn't come to you. And then while you are doing something completely different, something that is absolutely not associated to what you're trying to say, you suddenly remember the name or the word that you were trying to think about earlier. And, and while you might not be able to associate what you're doing at this point in time and how you were able to remember that word, if you really look for it, something in your environment would be associated to something which would ultimately be associated to the word that you were thinking about earlier. Now, earlier I talked about, I was having a discussion with a friend about artificial intelligence and how the human mind is an extremely sophisticated computer. He was telling me, can you make a computer feel emotions? And he, he gave me the example of iRobot, where there's a robot and... and and there's Will Smith, and uh, there's an accident, and the robot saves him instead of saving the girl because he has a higher chance of survival. And if there were a human being, he would have probably gone for the girl, or if he would have seen someone who, is, who he is emotionally attached to. Now, whether that is the right thing or the wrong thing to do is a completely different story. But the question is, would I be able to make 
a computer feel emotions? Now, my answer to that question was, what are emotions really? Emotions are just reactions to a computational output, right? Take any emotion, let's say love, right? And there are many different kinds of love. There's parental love. And a mother or a father has to go through an incredible amount of pain and suffering and sacrifices to nurture their children. And unless they feel this emotion towards them, they will not nurture them. And so, ultimately, it all boils down to survival. It's important for the survival of the species, for the parents to nurture their children. And that's why we feel that love for them. And that's why it's a computational output of the mind that this is the right thing to do for survival. Take hatred. You, if you don't hate your enemy, you will not fight with your full vigor. And what is hate, really? It's, it's a whole lot of adrenaline pumped into your blood to prepare you for a fight. Take nostalgia or when you miss someone. That's really a computational output. You know, you, you meet someone on a regular basis and the human mind is designed to recognize patterns. So, so a pattern is formed. And when that person who you are meeting on a regular basis stops meeting you because of some reason, either that person has traveled away or has passed away or what have you, you miss them, you know, because your human mind is now adjusting itself to a new pattern that, okay, there was this person and it's not there. And if you think about any emotion, there's a perfectly logical explanation of why you are experiencing that. Your human mind is computing all the information about your environment and, and reacting to it. It's generating some hormones in your body that's essentially making your heart beat faster or making your blood pressure go up or what have you. Now, so... So I really think that the human mind is an extremely sophisticated computer and consciousness is nothing more than a computational output. Because what is consciousness? What is awareness? How do you define awareness? Now, I understand that Roger Penrose is a extremely accomplished scientist and a mathematician. But sometimes the, sim the answers to your most complex questions are rather simple and right in front of you. If you've read the book called um, A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which any respectable geek or nerd should have read. And if you've not read it, and if you consider yourself a geek, it's very important that you pick it up immediately. There is this civilization that, 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 that builds an extremely sophisticated computer. And then they ask a question to the computer. Um, what is the answer to life, the universe, and everything? And the answer that they get is 42 a very simple answer. But then they don't understand what the question is. And then they ask the question, what is the question to the answer 42? And then that's where the entire saga begins. Similarly, the answer to most complex questions about the human mind and consciousness, in my opinion, is rather simple. What is awareness? Awareness is essentially taking stock of your situation. Now, there are multiple circles. Um, it could be in your innermost circle where, where you are sitting, what is the weather, what is the climate around you, um, are you feeling hot, are you feeling cold, are you thirsty, hungry, that is the basic awareness. And then you have an awareness, a general awareness of your uh, surroundings, of where you are living and, and, and you know, whether you have food for the future or not. And, and then we, if, you, in the, if you take it in the modern context... Uh, there's an awareness about the world, about what's happening around you and, and how your career is doing and, and so on and so forth. And 
people come up with the idea of self-awareness, you know, whether are you self-aware? And then we have so many meditation techniques which are focused around awareness, like mindful meditation or transcendental meditation and so on and so forth. Since we are on the topic, the concept of consciousness is explained quite well in one of the Upanishads in the Hindu scriptures. It's called Mandukya Upanishad. And the entire book is focused on just two things. Uh, the word Om, which is really a very important word in Hindu mythology, which is broken down into four aspects, which is A. As we start, we say, uh, as we start saying Om, we say A, and then we say U, and then we say M, and then there is the silence after the M. And it is compared to consciousness, where we have four states of consciousness. We have awake state, we have sleeping state, we have dreaming state, and then we have nothingness. Um, nothingness could be compared with either death or deep sleep and so on. Uh, in fact, in Mandukya Upanishad, deep sleep is compared very closely with death. So there is a lot of philosophy around it, but essentially consciousness is really, if you think about it, awareness around what's happening around you, whether you look at the physical aspects of your environment, which is, uh, uh, which is literally the weather and the climate and the hunger and the thirst, or you look at it from a philosophical or a intellectual standpoint, whether it's career or your... Uh, uh, your financial stability and security, your family, your peace, your quiet, what have you. And if you really ask me, these are not concepts that a sophisticated computer cannot process. Which brings us to a very interesting aspect. It is the struggle for survival um, and the three laws of artificial intelligence as described in the books of Isaac Asimov. And I'm not just talking about iRobot, actually, Isaac Asimov has written quite a few absolutely beautiful books, especially the Foundation series, which I read early in my college days. And the three laws of robotics are, the first law is, a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. The second law is a robot must obey the orders given by human beings except, that, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. And the third law is a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or the second law. Now, if you really think about this, the laws are created with survival as one of the aspects. And what makes any species alive? One of the core principles of a species being alive is it should grow organically and it should protect itself. It should fight for its survival. And it might be true for uh, most of the species on this planet, but does it really necessarily have to be true when it comes to artificial species? Whether it's a highly sophisticated robot or, I don't know, your microwave oven. Not necessarily. Um, we've seen so many movies and we've seen so much science fiction where there is a struggle for survival. If you look at the Matrix, the machines are fighting the humans because because human beings are becoming an obstacle for the machine's survival. If you look at the Terminator series, the computers become self-aware and they, they fight for their survival with the human species and they destroy the human species because the human beings are again um, trying to destroy um, the artificial intelligence. But it's all about survival, if you really ask me. And, and there is conflict only when survival is at stake. In fact, emotions exist because of the fight for survival. 
Fear protects us from death. Anger protects us from death. Love protects us from the species dying. If we do not have that, that innate need to survive, the question of conflict does not arise. Now, before I get into the question of threat, uh, there are two types of threats that human beings perceive from artificial intelligence. First is the very fantastic notion of the struggle for survival, where artificial intelligence will take control of humanity and try to either destroy humanity or imprison it or control it and what have you. And, and we've seen it in all the science fiction movies. And, and the second type of threat that human beings perceive is more practical in nature, um, where artificial intelligence will take away all the jobs and human beings will be left with no source of income. Now, before I get into threat analysis, there's one more thing that I would like to talk about. Speed and intelligence. When I am talking to you in this podcast, I am talking to you at a certain speed. Now, I've been told before I need to talk a little bit slower and and sometimes I listen and sometimes I don't. But the reason I talk at the speed that I am talking in is because I think that this is the speed that my listeners would be able to understand me the best. If I talk any slower, my listeners would get bored and move on. If I talk any faster, they'll not be able to understand me. And this is the case with every conversation that every human being has with every other human being. The speed at which we talk or the speed at which we perform any activity for that matter, is the best speed that our intelligence can uh, adjust to. Which means that if there is a being uh, that is much smarter than us, then for them, we would be running in slow motion. Think about it. We feel that the tortoises are slow. But if you really think about it, the tortoises are actually at high speed when it comes to their consciousness. And on the, on the other hand, for the flies that fly around us at high speed, we are running in slow motion. You can actually think it this way, that we all exist in our own dimension of speed and intelligence. Today, computers are already very fast. Uh, as far as weak AI is concerned, Deep Blue is already defeating Gary Kasparov. Once general intelligence starts growing, and it is growing, they will very soon surpass human intelligence and move on to the next dimension. Think about it. A few years ago, we saw, um, I think on Facebook, there were two artificial intelligence software that started talking to each other. And, and very soon they found that the English language was not efficient enough for them. And they created a new uh, language for themselves and started conversing. Uh, in a language that human beings could no longer understand. And then, you know, we got worried and we uh, shut down the software. Now, I'm not sure how much truth there is to that incident, whether it really happened or it was, it was just a, a hoax that was created by Facebook for, I don't know, whatever their reason was. But the truth is that it's not unlikely. When, when artificial intelligence systems become much smarter than humans by the magnitude of 2 or 3 or 20 or 30, what have you, and they are growing at an exponential speed, human language would become too inefficient for them and they would move on to a, a higher uh, level of existence, a higher dimension, so to speak. They will start conversing with each other at a completely different level. What we do in our lives would become very insignificant to them. They'll become higher beings like gods, uh, if nothing else. Now, 
let's come back to the concept of uh, struggle for survival i understand that every species on this planet has the need to survive and everything that we do in our lives is essentially to to ensure our uh, ongoing survival but do artificial beings need to have that need we were designed by nature in the process of evolution at least that's how i understand it now i'm sure there are people who believe that we were created by god and even so we were created this way in the case of artificial intelligence we have the choice to create them in whatever way we want to at some point in time in the future if they become sentient and self aware uh, we will be faced with the philosophical uh, conundrum of whether they should be allowed to decide whether they require an instinct to survive or not but until then i think they only require the instinct to serve humans and as long as that is there i think the fantastical notion of us being a threat is a little uncalled for so let's come to the second kind of threat which is more practical in nature that artificial intelligence will take away all our jobs and we'll have uh, will have no source of income it's true artificial intelligence will take away our jobs it is the same as when we invented paper and we took away the jobs of people who used to write on stone tablets and then and then we invented the the printing press where the printing press took away the jobs of the calligraphers and then you know we invented digital media which essentially is in this day and age taking away the jobs of the publishers and the printing presses this is the next level of digital evolution and yes ai will take away the jobs of some of the people but human beings survived the invention of the paper and they survived the invention of printing presses and we are surviving the invention of digital media and i'm sure we'll come up with newer employment once artificial intelligence takes away our menial mundane tasks we will move up to a higher level of contribution to society and humanity i would like to fantasize that artificial intelligence is going to help us just like jarvis helps iron man does all the job for him at an incredibly high speed and the human mind evolves to leverage artificial intelligence accordingly i would like to fantasize a far off future like star trek where human beings control all artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence serves human beings by programming the holodecks and what have you achieving a higher level of existence can only be made possible if we adapt to the changing technologies being afraid of new technologies and not adapting to them is what will threaten our existence it's been a ramble today i have delved into technology i've delved into philosophy i've delved into <laughs> religion i've delved into science fiction and what have you and i hope you don't notice that i did not talk about enterprise architecture at all and i hope you forgive my infraction but it was an interesting topic and i just went with the flow but this is not over in one of the upcoming episodes we'll also take a look at artificial intelligence and how artificial intelligence can contribute to enterprise architecture and create a better enterprise although in the 22nd century we are not going to have businesses and you know when there is not going to be any trade and people will live for a higher existence just like in star trek and and i hope that after the first contact we have a healthy relationship with the vulcans and 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 I hope you've enjoyed my ramble. That's all I have for you today folks. I hope you enjoyed the show. 
more about organizational agility, innovation, and enterprise architecture in the practical world, in the business, right here on the show. But before I end the show, I want you to help me out with this one little thing. Pause the show and share this podcast via WhatsApp or text message with at least one person who might be interested in the show. It could be anyone, your colleague, your boss, someone in your team. That's all I ask. Just one share with one message via text or WhatsApp or any social media of your choice. And it would go a long way in supporting this podcast and growing this listener base. Also, please don't forget to follow the podcast. That way, you'll get notified when we publish a new episode. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us at enterprisearchitectureradio.com. If you have ideas, thoughts, disagreements, please feel free to write to me directly. Uh, we also have a Telegram group if you would like to contribute to the EA discussions or what have you. Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio on Telegram. Or the URL to join the group is https colon slash slash t.me slash enterprise architecture radio. While our contact details are there in the show notes, we are very easy to find. Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio anywhere. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, even Discord. Once again, I hope you had fun and I'll see you in the next one.